This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. management big brother house the search for a new manager goes on morning all that's terrible wasn't it i just thought about that actually as i was coming up here doing that and then i realized it didn't work but that's the problem with live recording you do something that don't work and you know you've done it so it is day 12 i believe of lincoln city being without a football manager or a head coach i think he's, he's widely accepted um lots and lots of rumors about different people seems it's a two-horse race uh, but you never know with with Lincoln City, and you never quite know with um, uh, with with these sorts of things what's happening behind the scenes, as proven by the video that I did last week, where I was talking up Stephen Bradley, and then it was announced that he wasn't going to be Lincoln City manager um, by Shamrock Rovers. Uh, it kind of proves I don't know. I'd say you know, I'm, I'm not coming at this with any sort of knowledge. Kind of taking a few risks at the moment in terms of. Um, uh, kind of what I'm saying about potential candidates because I could come on here and tell you that there's there's elements to Michael Carrick being Lincoln City manager that overnight I've kind of thought and pondered and I'm not comfortable with um, that you know I might have to sit in front of him in three days time um, and and do an interview but the more I've thought about it um, the more I've kind of gone off the idea and I know it's a, a popular choice with some sections of the fan base and um that's because football fans like to feel um, knowledgeable. We all like to think that we know something. We like to feel safe. We don't like to step into the unknown when it comes to our football club. And therefore, a name like Michael Carrick, people know. People know who he is. Uh, and so they go, ah, he'd be a good fit because I know who he is. He's Michael Carrick. He's played for England. He's, he's kind of, he's been at Man United. Oh, he'd be really good. And it's almost, I hesitate to say the football manager generation, I don't want to sound disrespectful to people to say it would be a good fit because, you know, it's opinion. And the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, it looks like a good fit for us. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I'm not so sure. And, but the first thing that really set my alarm bells ringing was at a, a Twitter conversation, a very brief one last night with, with Marcus Clayson. And you know, it, Lincoln have in the past gone for relatively high profile names. Um, not always. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it's always. It, it has happened in the past. So we've gone for David Hurd, which wasn't a bad appointment, to be fair, at the time. Um, he played for Manchester United in the past. And he kind of, I think, steadied the ship a little bit pre-Graham Taylor era. We went for Willie Bell. 
which was a complete and utter fucking disaster. Um, and Willie Bell actually had just left the football club as I was born. So it's something that I haven't particularly, um, you know, I, I didn't experience. But reading back, it didn't go well. And he had played for Leeds and he was quite a big name. He obviously went for Alan Clark in the 90s, another former Leeds player, another relative big name. He had got managerial experience, but that was, was terrible. And he lasted a couple of months before he left. Uh, we went for Chris Sutton. Again, lots of kind of international experience. Well, he wasn't. He played one cap, didn't he? Because he spat his dummy out about being picked for England B. Um, but he was a, you know, he was a big name. And and whilst the whilst Chris Sutton is derided by Lincoln City fans, actually, we saw glimpses of the the future model. There, I say it with him, kind of bringing in those lone players from from bigger clubs. And whilst it was implemented in a rather haphazard way and a kind of all or nothing way, it did set the tone for where we are now, thirteen years later. Um, but it doesn't usually work out when you appoint just a name. And and I look at some of the uh, popular coaches uh, who are at League One clubs who we were never we weren't going to go and try and prize from other League One clubs. But doubtless the the club would have at least had in the back of the mind. I'm talking Mark Bonner and Michael Duff. You know, Duff came from okay the top flight, but he wasn't a big name. He wasn't like a Michael Carrick. If you'd said. Michael Duff to somebody sort of three years ago they would have gone what the Burnley guy uh, do you know what I mean not a big name and they did relatively well and it was their first job uh, and there was relative unknowns as well for instance Liam Manning kind of out of nowhere at MK Dons and did very very well I'm not sure that there's a massive track record of big names dropping into this division when they've had no experience at this level so when I when I Look at Michael Carrick. I, I see he's coached at Manchester United. I get that. There's Kieran McKenna, who he was almost kind of on a par in terms of coaching, who has gone into Ipswich and, and started doing a relatively good job. And that's the element of, of Michael Carrick I like. But I look at the likes of Harry Kewell. I look at the likes of Kevin Nolan, who have gone coaching top flight all their career. Never really dipped into the championship. I mean, Nolan, okay, kind of, I think, did a, a little bit. But do you know what I mean? Carrick's never, never done that. I'm just not so sure that it, it feels like, it feels like an appointment where, um, uh, you know, it's exciting based, I think Kate's just said the same thing, actually. It's exciting based on who he's worked under. You think, oh, he's worked under Mourinho. He's, he's worked with Ronaldo. He's worked under Sir Alex Ferguson. Kind of get that, but then... I don't see the other side of the coin. I don't see the, um, the the working with players who are a little more. When I say a little more limited, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Lincoln City players. You know, you've got to you've got to be able to coach all abilities. And I would imagine you know, coaching somewhere like Manchester United, certainly in the the kind of senior experience they had. It's going to be a lot easier than coaching, let's say, somewhere like um, Macclesfield Town. Mark Kennedy's obviously mentioned, or or, or coaching at even like with Michael Appleton and coaching at, at, at West Brom and places like that, and 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 at Oxford United, you're working with a different quality of player. And I'm just not so sure that they it's as perfect fit as some people believe. I think the I want to say the football manager generation. Like I say I'm really keen not to sound disrespectful, but I think. There are a generation of football fans who find the unknown frightening. I do. Um, and so when they see something like this, which is a constant, which is, I know him, I know what he's done, that would be a good appointment. And it's kind of a deduction that is easy to make, but is not necessarily always true. And almost certainly you get that with Harry Kewell. And there's also the, you know, the element of, is Michael Carrick somebody who wants to manage Lincoln City for three or four or five years? Or is he somebody that wants to come here, win you know, 15 games on the bounce, let's say, and potentially, potentially um, be poached? You know, if the first thing I thought yesterday when, when people were talking about Carrick was I looked at the other jobs and well, the Blackburn jobs available. So, you know, is that focus there? And he was spotted, remember, last night at the Manchester City uh, game. He was spotted in the crowd at the Manchester City game. Um, so, you know, if he is in Lincoln looking at the new job, would you expect, if he's close to an appointment, 
would you expect him instead of going, look, I need to crack on here because there's a pre-season, would you expect him to go, just going to go watch Man City tonight? I'm not so sure. I'm really not. And look, there are there are exceptions to the rule. As my good friend Ed points out, Wayne Rooney went into Derby with less coaching experience. He did go into Derby with less coaching experience. And he had, he's done a good job. There are exceptions to every rule, but Derby County is still championship level. And you know, please, in, in the comments, please, if you can pick somebody who's got kind of 30-plus England caps and five Premier League me- uh, trophies or however many and a Champions League who's gone into League One and been a success in their first job, crack on. Paul Ince, there you go, I've done it for you. Paul Ince disproves that theory because he went into Macclesfield and he did a very good job. And I'm not even talking about players with top-flight experience and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking specifically about this particular player. I just... I don't know. And people moaned about Michael Appleton's kind of lack of enthusiasm. And I've seen those same people wet in their pants at the thought of Michael Carrick coming, who was never known as a, as a kind of a, a big personality. Was he? It's, you know, you almost, you'd almost be getting more of the same. I just actually think that it's easy to look. I'm probably hedging my bets a little here. It's easy to look at the two candidates and go, the last time that one managed, albeit a caretaker, you know, he was, he had Ronaldo in his dressing room. And I wrote this yesterday, I wrote it myself. He had Ronaldo in his dressing room, went unbeaten in the Champions League and the Premier League. The last time this guy managed, Mark Kennedy, he went 12 games and only won once, albeit against Forest Green Rovers, to be fair. So ultimate hero already. Um, but, you know, and they went out of the league. And he had Theo Archibald he was managing. So there's kind of that contrast. It almost, to a fan, almost looks like yin and yang. Almost looks like dark and light, polar opposites. But it's not. First of all, if we're looking at the playing career, Michael Carrick had a very, very good playing career. Stellar playing career. You won't get me criticising him at all for that. Doesn't always make a good manager, but it is a big help. He's worked under a lot of people. We've done that. You look at Mark Kennedy, spent five, six years at Liverpool. Bit of research, started out under Mick McCarthy at Millwall, worked with McCarthy. And whatever people say about Mick McCarthy, he was a decent football manager. I mean, he did very well to keep an underfunded Ipswich in the championship season after season. He's been at Manchester City coaching their kids. He's worked at Wolves. He's worked, I don't want to say Lee Bowie is a great coach, but he's he's worked in the lower divisions as well. So like for like, it appears that one candidate is out ahead, out in front, whereas actually the other candidate, just because you and I don't know an awful lot about him, has still worked under good people. And if they're neck and neck for the job, they can't be yin and yang, can they? They can't be black and white. This board isn't stupid. This board wouldn't take one candidate with with glittering kind of CV in terms of playing and trophies and another candidate who seemingly in people's eyes is very much kind of Fisher-Price compared to the real thing and go, which one do we pick? They wouldn't do that. So if there is that case, and, and you can throw in if you wish here Stephen Bradley as well, you know, if there are two, three, four candidates that we are agonising over, which I don't believe for a second that there are right now, that if there are, those candidates are going to be on a par. Clive Nates didn't make his money by not knowing what he's doing. And, and that's, it kind of, it just got me thinking, because I was laid in bed last night, and I was just thinking, there seems to be this huge gulf between the two potential candidates, and, and they're vying, like, literally... You know, one minute one's the favourite, the next minute the next the favourite, the next minute is the neck and neck. And if that's the case, there must be either something more attractive about the the candidate that we as supporters probably don't feel uh, is is there, or there must be something less less attractive about the candidate that that some of the supporters think is an absolute shoe in. There has to be. Football clubs are not stupid. You, some, when I say you, I don't mean you personally, but, but some people may think that they are. Some people may go, it is a non-brainer. It's like picking a, a, a team on match day. The manager picks a player 
and we all go, why haven't you picked the other player? Why have you picked Les Sorensen and not Max Sanders? There's got to be a reason. Football managers work in football all day, every day. All we do about it is talk about it. I talk into my phone walking around the world. You talk about it in the pub to your friends or, or on the internet. We talk about it, but we don't see it. We don't deal in it. We don't. We live and breathe it in our own way, but not in the same way that people at the football club do. So they're not stupid. So there must be something. I would tend to believe that there is probably more about the lesser candidate than there is less about the so-called kind of higher profile candidate. I would kind of, I've looked at Mark Kennedy and on the face of it, you know, when you scratch away, it's hard for a supporter to look at it and go, that excites me. It is. That's just fact. Um, you know, he, he had a, a decent playing career. He did. You know, he, he was expensive teenager. He went to Liverpool. He's experienced the pitfalls of being that kind of having pressure placed upon him at a young age. So, yeah, I, I, I almost get he's lived like the Michael Appleton kind of journey. He understood the disappointment of injury. And, yeah, I'm sure in a, from a mental point of view, he was an immense help to some of our injured players this season because Michael had kind of been there and his history, his managerial history, he'd seen making rash decisions firsthand as well. Yeah, so I, I kind of I, I can see that. I think with Mark Kennedy, maybe that's part of the attraction. Is you know he was the superstar youngster who kind of broke through. He was that. He was um, big news at the time. I remember being in secondary school and like when he signed, you thought, wow, here's the next kind of world beater. I mean, at the time it'd be, you know, is he going to be the Irish Maradona? And so I don't know stuff like that. You, when you're at school, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of get lost in hyperbole, but. There is that he has seemingly had a, a coaching journey, and you know, we are going down the head coach model. Make no mistake about that. When people were saying, you know, get Tony Pulis in or or get Lee Johnson in or Darren Ferguson, it wasn't going to happen. We're not going down the management model. We are setting ourselves up in a similar way to teams like Brentford, who you know have kind of have, have done very very well off the back of having the head coach, a director of football. You know, not, it's not 100% full accountability in... Oh, there's a little baby rabbit here, Dad. Charlie, leave it. Leave it. Charlie, no. Away. Away. Sorry, one minute. Poor little thing. It's going to survive. Anyway, yeah, we... We're kind of having less individual pressure. So, you know, there are so many different layers. And it's easy to say Michael Appleton got recruitment wrong when in actual fact it's not all Michael Appleton's fault. It's easy to say, yeah, all manner of different things about individuals. No, the dog didn't. Sorry, just to clarify, Kate, the dog didn't attack the rabbit. It's a baby rabbit that I think is, is, is on the cusp of death. And Charlie just had a sniff didn't attack it so just it's not a horror movie just to, just to clarify um so I, I just think that i really just wanted to stress that i think you know, there are elements why michael carrick is not perfect for this job everybody well not everybody but a large portion of social media is saying great fit looks perfect blah 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 it's because we know him and it's because of experience and who he's worked with but it's not because of his coaching journey and it's not because of his like personality let's be honest it's not is it and people are saying Mark Kennedy won't be a fit because we're coming at that from a position of little knowledge. You know, have you ever seen a Mark Kennedy interview? Very, very rarely. I did some research on him um, on, on, on Google last night, kind of digging through, and one or two of the pieces said, you know, hasn't done a lot of interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Very, uh, Mick McCarthy, a couple of things I found speaking very highly of him, very upset to lose him when he left Ipswich, um, and, uh, and it's an interesting journey. But, you know, not somebody we know whether he's passionate. We don't know how well he talks. That's why we'll say now, oh, it'll be underwhelming. It'll be underwhelming because we don't know him. If somebody gave you a, a bag of coins and you can feel it and they go, there you go, and, and your first thought is, wow, these are all pound coins and you open them and they're 50p's, it'd be underwhelming. But if there are 150p's in there, is that really underwhelming? Still money, isn't it? So it's just because you're coming at it from a, a lack, not a, I say a lack of understanding, but we're coming at it from a lack of knowledge. We don't know Mark Kennedy. We'll have a look at his 
time at Macclesfield to see what sort of formation he played. There is that information available. It's a little bit harder for Michael Carrick because he had three games and probably tried to keep things much the same as they were as caretaker manager. But Mark Kennedy did have 12 games at Macclesfield. 1-1, not great. Um, but they wouldn't have gone down, by the way, had it not been for their points deduction. Stevenage was saved. So actually, had he kept them up, it would have been a fairy tale. Um, anyway, let's have a quick look through some of your comments because this is an emotive subject and I know people will have lots to say. Uh, morning to Jacob. Morning, Steve Barton. Morning, Kev Green. Mr. McCarthy says it sounds like Carrick. Dave, morning, my pal. Johnny Benton, good morning. Sophie Barrett, who would you think is the right fit for us, Gary? Do you know what? Honestly, Sophie, I don't know. I don't know. The right fit is the man who comes in and wins football games. I wouldn't want to pick a manager. I've recruited before, different industry. And I recruited for um, an assistant manager at Howden's in Louth. And there was one candidate everybody thought should get it. Everybody. He worked at the depot at the time. He worked under me. Knew him inside out. Good lad. Knew all the products. Likeable. Um, interviewed him. And it was, you know, it was... He didn't do a bad interview. And I brought another guy in. Everyone said, well, you don't want to employ that fella. You don't want to employ him. He's, he's this and he's that. You know, he, uh, nice guy, but he's a little bit not the right character for an assistant and all that sort of stuff. And I interviewed him and he interviewed well. He came across with good plans. On the face of it, people around me thought I only had one choice to make. I chose the other. That guy ended up replacing me as manager when I left, and he's still manager there now. That's not me bigging myself up. That's me saying it's not always apparent to outside outsiders who the best candidate is. I think that's the case with football management. You know, we can say who we think the best candidate is. Um, personally, I like Stephen Bradley. But I think anybody who's got to this stage after sitting in front of Clive and Jez as well, you know, for all the criticism Jez gets, he's, you know, he's not a bad guy. I think anyone that's got to a point where they're sat in front of them and being considered for the manager's role is an appointment that I'm willing to back. Um, and, you know, Clive was involved in bringing the Cowleys in. I think it was actually Bob that appointed them, but, but Clive was heavily involved in that. So it was a Clive and Bob decision. Michael was kind of a Clive and a, a Jez decision. And obviously Liam's kind of involved in facilitating that as well. I think that was a decent, decent decision. Whoever the club choose to bring in, um, it will be in their eyes the right man. And therefore, until proven otherwise, it's it's got to be in the fans' eyes the right man as well. It's got to be. And it'll be all right. Let's say it's not Carrick. Let's say they bring my Mark Kennedy in. And the experts are not you guys, experts on League One or say out of left field, confusing a pair confusing, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. They will. Um, they're not right or wrong. The only thing that will prove them right or wrong is results. Carrick comes in and wins 10 games on the bounce. He's the right man for the job. Kennedy comes in, wins 10 games on the bounce. Ditto, either of them come in and lose 10 games on the bounce. Guess what? They ain't. So, yeah, it's tough. Morning to Matthew Mann. Morning, Chris Keneally. Morning, Slim Shady. I'm guessing whoever we get is possibly going to be relatively inexperienced. Popular choice for me. Out with a man and in with a Mank legend. Can't see it happening, though. Uh, no, I can't either. Blake, good morning. Life breaking news again. Hasn't happened, so I'm quite pleased about that. I did get to go to the shops yesterday afternoon. And I thought, you know what? This is the time that it's going to be announced. I just expected my phone to go and it kind of be the club saying, we're going to make an appointment, Gary, blah, 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 get you ready. Because they, they, they could like that. They would do, I think, if something was, was imminent. Um, Kate Jackson thinks Karen would be, Carrick would be exciting based on who he has learned under and we'd have access to some exciting young talent, such as he's at Canson, but can't see it happening as there seems to be no actually genuine basis for the rumours. I'm actually with you on that. There is no genuine basis in my opinion. Uh, I think that we have access to youngsters anyway. I, I don't buy this that oh, we'll go for characters, we'll get access to youngsters. Who, who, who at the club was connected to Man City? And yet we've had Morgan Rogers and Luis Fiorini. Where's, where's the connection? Same with Arsenal, with Brook Norton Coffee. Same with Spurs, with TJ Aoma. Those relationships are in place. We don't need to appoint a manager based on who he knows. It's the most dangerous thing you can do. And again, in my industry, my previous industry at Howden's, I've seen it. Managers who kind of come in because they know somebody. You know, oh, I'm, I'm mates with him and I've been here before. Yeah, yeah they've given him a manager's job. And inevitably, it's, it's not the route to success. 
you have to appoint on interview, you have to appoint on ethos, you have to appoint on all manner of different things, but not because he knows somebody at Man United and we might be able to borrow a player. That's not a long-term plan, not at all. Morning, Harry Winkworth. Uh, hope you're well, pal. Harry and I go back a long way. When I first started at uh, Queggs in Horncastle, I was a first year and he was a second year and we had to go in. We, we did like a, a day where we all went in and met the second years. And I remember meeting him. He was in a form called 1B at the time, I think. I think he was in Mrs. Bagley's form. I might be wrong. Um, I remember talking to him about Mrs. Bagley. Happy days. Many, many years ago now. I hope you are, my friend. Morning to Dom. Uh, Kate Jackson says, Sutton constantly bemoan the lack of ability to learn new skills of lower league players. That's why I kept bringing loans in. That's the issue, you see. If you make the wrong appointment. Charlie, come on. Run this way, dude. If you make the wrong high-profile appointment and they can't work with... When I say more limited, look, we have better players now than we had under Chris Sutton. No doubt whatsoever. But if you bring them a coach in who has not worked with players who you know, might have different backgrounds, that could be difficult. But as Ed says, Wayne Rooney went into Derby with less coaching experience and the scratch squad and bad summer and all manner of things and did well. So, yeah, 100%. Chris Keneally, that was Keane's problem at Sunderland as the players weren't the same standard as him. Carrick could possibly have the same problem. He's definitely not as volatile as Keane. No, he's not as volatile as Keane. Interesting point, by the way. Roy Keane was the man that signed Mark Kennedy at Ipswich. So it's worked under some people as well. Craig Green, good morning. Good morning, my friend. Kate says Wayne Rooney started at Derby as a coach, not a manager. He had Exim Justin Walker. He and Exim Justin Walker were interim managers for a while before Rooney got appointed. Fair enough. Steve, hello, mate. Steve Freeston. I get the impression this appointment is probably the most difficult of all. Yeah, I think it's like football matches. It's always the next one that's the most difficult. It is a pivotal moment for the club. But when we brought Danny's successor in, it was a pivotal moment for the club. Um, you know, you're always kind of, it's always a, a crossroads or a fork in the road in a club's history, isn't it? When a new manager's brought in, it is. It creates uncertainty. I said it in an article, interesting times. You know, and Terry Pratchett wrote, may you never live through interesting times. I hate that saying. And again, going back to my old role, uh, I remember being at Jackson's at Lincoln and um, a manager had moved on and there was talk about, you know, who's going to leave here? Who's going to go there? Who's going to step up? And, and a friend of mine, Phil Frank, said, well, they're interesting times. I was reading the book at the time. I thought, they're not. Interesting times just mean upheaval and volatility. You know, and anyone that's watched The Last Kingdom, by the way, will know that as soon as there's kind of a vacuum anywhere, it just creates levels of uncertainty. Um, and, and, and we don't want that. And it's with the fan base more than the club. And do you know what? I think whatever appointment's made, there will be less worry in and around the club and more by the fan base. I think, I think we have this impression that the club's in turmoil, you know, such and such is leaving and this is happening and that's happening. And it's all going to shit. But I've heard that every single summer since we came out of the National League. I have from, from reputable people, from people that I respect saying, you know, oh, there's fundamental problems at the club. The change is happening too quick. That was 2016, 17, 17, 18. The change is happening too quick. 2018, we'd overspent and only got to the playoffs. 2019, we weren't going to be prepared for League One and financially we were going to struggle. 2020, it was the you know, the, the, the squad was breaking up. Danny's squad was breaking up. Michael doesn't know what he's doing. At the end of 2021, when we went to Wembley, it was, you know, Teo Eden and George Grant have said their last goodbyes. We're in the shit. And here we are now with the new managers. Every single summer, every single summer, there, there, are, there are questions about the club, that there are fundamental problems. And do you know what? Every single summer, we just emerge from it and we carry on. One of these summers, perhaps we won't emerge from it. That's football. As for fundamental problems at the club, do you know what? If there were, I'm not sure we'd attract Brook Norton Cuffey or Lewis Fiorini. I'm not sure we'd have Premier League clubs wanting to loan as our players. If there was fundamental problems at the club, I think we'd end up with Watford midfielders like Gillingham did, who get sent off three times in a season. If there was fundamental problems at the club, I think the manager would speak out about them in press conferences like Gillingham or, or you'd see it by losing 10, 12 games on a row like Doncaster. It's easy for supporters who care so deeply about the club to pick fault. And do you know what? It's, it's like family, isn't it? Do you know what? It's like you can always pick fault with your family far easier than you can with your friends. You can always judge your family easier than you can with your friends because you feel that's your role. That's what you should do. And it amuses me that some supporters, and I, I might be as bad, 
see something negative about Lincoln City written by a Grimsby fan, and they're all over it. Do you know what I mean? They are all over it. Look like you are your shit. We did this to you. We beat you. Live in our shadow. But then in the next tweet, they'll be going on saying Jess George is responsible for recruitment. He's got to go, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? It's, and that's football for you. And that's why it is a difficult appointment. And from supporters' point of view, it's probably more difficult than it is for the club because the club believe they have a framework in place whereby the manager, yes, is important. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. But it's not the all-encompassing culture change that uh, that we're expecting. Sorry, just up ahead, I'm going back to where the rabbit is. And I think that the mother's there looking for the baby and the baby's dying. Oh, heartbreaking. She's just been there. The baby's struggling. I might have to try and help her. I'm not sure if I can. I'm really not. Anyway, I'm going to stand here for a minute and just wait to see if she does anything with it. So... Um, yeah, so that's where we were. That's where, yeah, it is one of the most difficult of all. Del Warner says, we won't be Carrick. We're talking to the candidate's employer. My impression was uh, from Michael, uh, from, not Michael Appleton, from my mate Pete, who's not Michael Appleton at all. Um, my impression was that actually uh, he was remained under contract with Man United, uh, but hadn't left as yet. I don't know how true that is, uh, but I'm, I'm of the same thought. I'm not sure I would have been so cutting if I thought actually Michael Appleton was coming. <laughs> Michael Appleton, I've done it again. Michael Carrick was coming. Uh, ben Ward says, big name, isn't it? Gets people excited without needing to do research on why. So naturally, I'd be delighted. Self-deprecating humour. I like that from Ben. Any humour he can do. Uh, Ed Brett, Rolls-Royce, so did it effortlessly. I don't think he's the man for the job. Three games isn't enough to gauge his managerial ability and we need stability. We have stability to a degree, in my opinion, in um, the overall structure. There are... Elements of that being upheaval, uh, being being changed around with, with Ross Burberry coming in and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of I get it. John Wade, uh, Horton made a tweet referring to the current employer, so it can't be Carrick with me currently at work. That's kind of an overriding theme. I also think him being at the Man, United, Man City game yesterday suggests to me it's not him. Um, Bell Warner, with us seeming, seeming keeping our candidate quiet, could it be an unexpected appointment? What about a female manager? Lots of women coaching now. Could be Lincoln first in professional game to appoint a woman? No, I don't think it is. I don't think that's through a lack of ability. I think it's because it would be a bold and innovative step. And I think that we are looking for a degree of continuity uh, within the setup. I don't think that we want to bring that sort of pressure attention on a team that has just underperformed in many fans' eyes. So I think if you were to appoint a female coach yes you would get the plaudits I don't think that it would be um, widely accepted by supporters and whether that's misogynistic I don't know I certainly don't want it to come across like that but I do believe that there would be kickback from supporters uh, which would probably not be not be entirely fair I don't think that that's a pressure that we would bring on the individual or the club but I get your I get your point, and and just to say that, just to kind of go on that theme, by the way, about um, about the, the the candidate not knowing an awful lot, isn't that refreshing? Nobody really knows anything. I don't know. I, I, I'm none the wiser. I proved that last Thursday or Friday. I don't know who's coming in. I don't know who's not. But nobody does. And when it's a player, Charlie, this way. This, sorry, one second. Whoa. To get past this rabbit. So when it's a player, um, there's somebody down at the ground at the time. So it might be, um, it might be medical staff, ground staff, ancillary staff. There are a hundred ways that he can get out. There's such and such is there. Right now, there's hardly anybody down there. Do you want to mean there's hardly people down? And so this has actually been the best kept secret, I think, probably in Lincoln City history. Yeah, and if we have actually got preferred candidate who is down at the training ground and he's doing work sorry Boy. if we have got that candidate then he's been kept phenomenally quiet come on boy let's go come on and i think that that's that's good for the club i look i i love hearing what's happening absolutely love hearing what's happening but it's not always good for the football club to hear such and such is going to sign. Trey Hume's a classic example. You know, people were messaging me three weeks before he signed for Sunderland, saying potentially he's had had a medical. You know, he's coming to Lincoln, and then he didn't. And it, I don't think it's the best thing, to be honest. 
Uh, so let's keep going back through some of your comments. There are lots of them. Uh, where did I get to? Uh, dear. I'm going to miss some, I'm afraid, because I'm not quite sure where I get to. Oh, there we go, Dale. So Josh, Good Josh Goodmore said he loves Carrick, but hoping he's not joining us. But if he does, he'll have a support. Johnny Benton, I'm not sure how my current would deal with any adversity. Has he had any true experience of a relegation struggle, for example? And again, there was talking about the yin and yang bringing two together. To be fair to him, Mark Kennedy has. You know, when he went to Macclesfield, and people, if, if it were to be Kennedy, people would look at that and they go, he did badly at Mansfield. Skint Mansfield. Nobody being paid. He'd only been, I believe, taken to Mansfield, I think, by Sol Campbell. So again, a bigger connection, but willing to get down in the dirt and the grime. Just trying to bring that little bit of parity between the two names that seem so far removed. Edbert, the interesting theme coming from the club for me is the approach to the side candidate has been made. Isn't Carrick unattached? Again, possibly. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. Uh, Kennedy on Notts County's Birchall says Nick Oxbury, Dave Tuplin. Whoever it is, we should all be behind him or her in the team. 100%. Jeff Sperry, it's always difficult to, always dangerous to pick a manager just because they're a name and have no experience in the lower leagues. We've seen that with, well, with Chris Sutton. Um, Steve Jollins, how well did we know the Cowleys seven years ago? Part-timers did a reasonable job. They did. And I say the same thing about some of the other players and, and kind of like Mickey Duff, for instance. You know, we knew of him. He had been a top-flight player. But, you know, Cheltenham knew little of him in terms of coaching. He did very well for them. Uh, let's have a look. Kate Jackson. Best candidate is always down to personal opinions and football taste. You can ask 10 different people and they'll probably get five, six different names. There is no right answer at this stage. There's never actually a right answer. Because tell me this, was Michael Appleton the right appointment? Some will tell you no. Others will tell you yes. So it's subjective. It's almost like art, isn't it? Football management is art. How about that? Sophie Barrett says she just wants this season to start already and start on a high. Whoever we get, I'm going to back them. Yeah, I don't want it to start just yet, Sophie. Let's have a summer. Bloody hell, I love my Saturdays at home. Um, I want us to get a manager in, head coach in, and then for him to just do the work behind the background and for us to hear so very little that it's absolute bliss because no news is good news. Not in terms of a manager search, of course, but once he's in, he's doing his job. He's got a job to do. It's not all in the media. It's not all... Do you know what I mean? Giving interviews and all that sort of thing. He's got me meeting people, prospective players, backroom staff, laying out his ethos, that sort of stuff. Steve Jollins talking about connections. Jez has the connections and lots of them. Yeah, but isn't he the problem at the club as well? Who knows? Nobody. He's not, by the way. There isn't a problem at the club. Not a fundamental one. I know that there are people who think that we're top heavy in terms of kind of ancillary spend and not player spend, that the model might not be sustainable i get that i think we've always hoped that we'll sell a couple of players Jess george isn't a problem at this football club in, in my opinion he's really not but then i've been lucky enough to meet him haven't i i've been lucky enough to see what he does day to day you know he's, he's he's a driving force behind the academy that's promoted seven players admittedly we haven't seen end product from them seven, seven players on the field but there's potential there and potential is really really valuable in football Really valuable. When you think about some of the players that have moved on from Central Bank in the past few years, our record signing was a record sale was a player who had played two, three minutes in Jack Hobbs. Potential. Scott Lokes left before he got a professional contract. Potential. If you're developing it, that's where the money is. That's where the money is. Sam White says one B was Mrs. Baggerly, so I think that was the one Harry was in. Jake Tong. Thing I like the I think I like the idea of absolutely no idea of it. it shows the club are doing their job properly, exciting times ahead, excited by all potential options on the table. But given the success of Manning at MK, wouldn't be surprised tears go completely out of left field. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, the results are all that matter. They are, and that's proven because Michael left. I didn't feel that. I thought actually we're in a good position here, and it's not just about results, it's about style of play and where we're going. So if he comes in, new manager, whether it be Kennedy, whether it be Carrick, and, and implements that style of play and do you know what? I'd take 17th now next season, just if it means that the following season we're going to build. Um, but I think there's plenty to build upon at Lincoln City. Ben Ward says, in my day job, we're going through interesting times. Our director has just left. A few people have moved on as well, but the feeling is mostly positive. Happens all the time. Life goes on. Um, Nigel says, hi, Gary. Slightly different topic. What do you think of Tom Shaw leaving Gainsborough? I'm surprised as he's done well there. I didn't think he had. I thought they were battling relegation up until the final day. 
Um, so I don't know whether it's his choice or not. I, I'm not really sure where they, where they go with that. But um, yeah, just I hope that they are still an outlet for us to loan players who are not ready for senior football. Um, at ours. So Steve Freeston says after seeing Jez's presentation, the process and structure is in place. I'm pleased. I heard I heard that there was another presentation for uh, kind of I, I don't know whether it's trust members and things like that this week. But I just wish, do you know what? And Jez goes into some detail that couldn't couldn't be fully public. Yeah, he couldn't put it out on YouTube. But there are elements of that presentation I wish everybody could see and just understand. It's not Jez going, we're going to sign him and giving him to a manager. It's not a manager kind of being having players foisted upon himself. It's not one man responsible for recruitment. Jez has got two people working under him who watch matches. And when we identify a player, they'll watch match after match after match after match of that player. And it won't be one player. We won't get a midfielder and go, we want to sign our midfielder. We'll have four or five midfielders. And those scouts will go and watch them in person, all of them. And they'll watch them on video and they'll compile clips and they'll look at stats and then they'll put those to Jez and they'll put a presentation together and they'll take that to the manager. And then the manager can say, I like this one and that one. And then they go back to those two and then they make the initial approaches. And do you know what I mean? It's not just... Jez going, oh, I'll ring Man City up to you. They've got, yeah. You know, I think it's hard because I know that play a lot of fans don't trust what happens behind the scenes because they don't see it and the club remain tight-lipped. You'd be surprised how much goes on. You'd be surprised some of the players that we were trying to sign, who we'd identified as being right for Lincoln City Football Club. Um, my understanding, okay, is an example uh, which I may get in trouble for. I don't know. And nobody's told me officially, but my understanding is that. We made a significant effort to try and sign Danny Mayer. Um, I, can't, I don't know whether that was last summer um, or, or the summer before to kind of play in the, the role that Maguire was playing last year. It might have been as a George Grant replacement to kind of play as the eight. But what a footballer he is. We're not, and, and it didn't work because he stayed where he was due to an increased contract and not wanting to relocate. But it's the right type of player. It just doesn't always work out. We are still Lincoln City. We are still in the arse end of nowhere. You know, it is hard. It's not hard to attract players from Mansfield, Peterborough, Nottingham, Derby. But it's hard for us to go for some of the players that we might like to sign. You've got to remember players are human beings. And, you know, like if somebody offered me a, a job that paid 10 grand a year more doing what I'm doing now, but in Chichester, I wouldn't take it. John Ward, don't rule out Ian Foster ties uh, with his employer. Yeah, it could be the FA. Was Carrick or Kennedy on the radar a week ago? Yep, good point. Good point. Uh, God, these comments keep coming. I'm pleased you're enjoying it. Uh, sorry. So, uh, Nigel, what do you think of the manager, Forest Green manager going rogue and disappearing off to Watford under Dale Vince Nose? Mm, okay. Interesting point. The Forest Green manager, Rob Edwards, was a coach, I think, I can't remember where I read it. It was either Ireland or Wolves or something like that, who... When he vacated his job, guess who was in line to take over from him? Mark Kennedy. Rob Edwards then went to Forest Green, got them promoted and now gone to Watford. Just don't underestimate people in football that you don't know a lot about. It's not all about the manager now. It's not all about the sheepskin coat and the do I not like that and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's a lot of unseen that you just don't know. Uh, Johnny Robbo, Carrick is out of work, so it won't be him. I'm happy to wait and see and give the manager of support. It's the least we can do. If the preferred candidate is being spoken to and we get him on the board, then the job, job board have done a good job. Very good. I uh, hope you're well, Les. Les Daubney, as they always say on financial adverts, past performance is no guarantee of future success. The opposite is also true. It is. Yep. And that's why they're interesting times, which are not good. Uh, I think Johnny Benton and, some, and someone are having a conversation there, which I may have missed. Um, Gary has been abducted by aliens. Oh dear, I hope my feed hasn't been bad. Nick Oxbury says Jez is no problem whatsoever. And Paul Thompson says a lot of people, Tomlin says a lot of people are blaming Jez. A lot of people are blaming Jez for what? Is my question, Paul. And that's not being facetious. Blaming him for what? Keeping us in League One? Signing Teo Eden, who we signed for half a million pounds, who we sold for half a million pounds, who, you know, without him, we'd be in more financial trouble convincing young players who are being pursued like or being kind of watched like by Freddie Draper to sign contracts. I don't know. I, 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 or for signing players like Hakeem Delican and Lass Sorensen and Chris Maguire who completely underwhelmed last season. I get it. I get it. Do you know what I mean? There are things about the football club that are good 
in fans' eyes, and there are things about a football club that are bad. But think about your workplace. If there's something bad in your workplace, you know, nine times out of ten, it doesn't. It's not always the same person. Now, you're going to could people blame Jess for us having more injuries last season than everybody else? If we did, I mean, statistically, probably we we marginally did. Is that Jez's fault? Was it Jez's fault that we managed to tempt Brooke Norton Cuffley from Arsenal based on a presentation that he's been and done at Arsenal? A player that you guys, on in the player of the year vote, put third. Official player of the year part. Okay, so, yep, poor, I get it, poor recruitment at the beginning of the season, but recruitment isn't all one person. And whilst some of the recruitment at the beginning of the season wasn't brilliant, TJ Omer didn't do well, but was the one person when he signed thought that's not a good signing? Probably not. Dan and Lundaloo, hugely coveted, hugely coveted by lots of clubs. 12 clubs were in him. We won the chase because everything about that lad screamed success. Big, strong, played 12 times for Southampton. Everything didn't work out. That's not the fault of recruitment. That's the fault, surely, of either the player, the coaching. I don't know. But that, that, that's not great. That's not poor recruitment. Hagiba Delican, yeah, you know, I was excited by him. I thought he was the headline act. I don't think when you recruit Hagiba Delican, it's a risk. And he's been fit for most of the season. He's just been really, really poor. Last Sorensen, granted, I'll give you that. Not, not a great signing at the moment. One that may flourish in the future. Who else? Luis Fiorini, good signing. Josh Griffiths, good signing. So this perception that the summer recruitment is poor is slightly imbalanced, in my opinion. We didn't get an additional striker that we needed. Wouldn't have needed it if Tom Hopper hadn't got injured, but it would have been nice to have had another striker. It wasn't perfect recruitment, but nobody was blaming Jez a year before, were they? When we were signing the likes of, and bear in mind, he's now gone, but you know, James Jones looked like a great signing. We signed Ioma, we signed Johnson. You know, we signed good footballers that summer. Lewis Monsmer, Joe Walsh and Adam Jackson. Nobody complained about them. So I don't think you know, the recruitment that got us to the championship playoffs actually may have had more flops in inverted commas over the course of the season than the recruitment last summer. James Jones out of the team by the end of it. Theo Archibald out of the team by the end of the season. Never really got in it. Joe Walsh injured plenty. Adam Jackson injured. I don't think there was a huge amount of difference. I just think that you know, some of the players who were here already didn't rise to the occasion last season, and that was seen then as reflecting badly on those that came in. Conor McGrandall's played well, not as well as last season. Walsh, Jackson, Ioma. Oh, sorry, Ioma came in the summer. Walsh and Jackson injured most of the time. Certainly didn't help. I don't think Jamie Robson actually had a bad campaign since he came in. He was just left out a lot. I don't think he played particularly badly. We saw it as a fitness thing. But again, you had to react quickly to the sale of Taylor Edden. I'm just not sure the recruitment was as bad. I don't think it's a case of going, our recruitment was shit, Jez George is to blame. That's just, do you know what I mean? That, that for me, makes zero sense at all. I just wish Jez could put something out. I wish he could put a, a watered-down version of his presentation out for everybody to see. But he, he can't because we don't want other clubs to look at it and go, that's what we should be doing. So it's why all of this is why you don't have that complete transparency. It really is. Uh, Cornell's come online, so I can't really see anybody else's comments now. Uh, Nigel says, still said that MALFT is in the running for the Hibs job, but whoever will get it, I'll need support. He is in the running for the Hibs job. I think if you look at the betting or the gambling, Michael Carrick was as well. Uh, at the end of the day, the final decision was Michael Appleton's, not Jez's. Yep, no final decision was made without uh, Michael's approval. There were only a couple of players I'm aware of, certainly one springs to mind, that was made only with Michael's approval, which was Remy Longdon, who kind of snuck in the back door with his video, and he kind of I, I respect that. I think he's the only one. Even Maguire, everyone said he was Appleton's man. But, you know, he will have, they will have gone through the process. That's how the club works. Right, um, so I'm 48 minutes deep. It started very much about Michael Carrick. It's ended very much about a defence of the club again. Don't get me wrong. 
I don't feel entirely comfortable at the moment as a Lincoln City fan. And if we appoint Michael Carrick, at the back of my mind, my worry will be all the things I've pointed out on here. If we appoint Mark Kennedy, my worry will be more around fan backlash than anything. So I'll be, I'd just be worried for the, for the boy if he comes in because, or the boy, that's such a patronising way to refer to somebody who's older than me. I'd be worried for him if he comes in because people think that Michael Carrick's a perfect candidate, that yin and yang. They think he's the yang. They think he's the dark. They think he's the negative. And he's not. They're going to be like that. They'll be a hair's breadth. There's no way. I actually think there's a case to say that Mark Kennedy is more suited because he's the one that we're saying is not suited and yet he's still you know, amongst the favourites, likely to have been spoken to by the football club. So there has to be some substance there to him rather than it just being a name that the bookies are being put up there. We wouldn't just pull somebody from nowhere and go, he'll do, and the bookies wouldn't either. So I think there's an argument that the fact that he's even in the running suggests that there's a lot to him that we don't know about. An awful lot. Plus, Chris Keneally would hate it because he was former Liverpool. Anyway, uh, I've got one last comment here from Nigel, which I'll go with. There's still a perception that director of football is bad and some things will always dislike whoever is there. DOF. I found have spoke to Jez and attended an MA training session. I have every confidence in their ability. I'll do the same for whoever is hired next season. I'll put trust in them. Uh, do you know what? What a great comment to end on. What a great comment to end on. We have to trust the football club until proven otherwise. Innocent until proven guilty. When a new guy comes in, we have to assume that the board have done their due, due diligence, that they are convinced that he's the right man, that he has sold his vision or his um, suitability for the role that we require to them adequately enough to be a part of the Lincoln City journey, which is a twee kind of sickly way to say it, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It is a journey. It's like we're going down the motorway at the minute. We've just pulled into the services, getting back in the car. And we're going to bring somebody else in. And hopefully that person is going to take us to where we want to go. I just hope that we hear something soon so we can deal with the fallout, whatever fans want to think, and just move on. Um, look, longest one I've ever done. There's my house, a little flash of white in the background there. Uh, so I am done, dusted, and gone. Mr. Tomlinson, thank you, pal. Always nice to have a good debate. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the video. I shall put this on as a podcast. Um, I'm not sure if we will do a podcast this week. Depends entirely on the club. Um, but other than that, just have faith and up the imps. Bye. So 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.